wreaking havoc on me. So, yeah. Um, I do want to start dispelling with, with dispelling two myths. Myth number one, I am not the guy that was thrown into the pit by my brothers and tried to be sold off to the highest bidder. <laughs> Although my brothers probably would have tried that if they had the opportunity. I'm sure they got together and talked about it. Uh, myth number two, I'm not going to try to sell you a used sedan. not my role. Uh, that being said, I want you to know I always see it as an honor, and I, I, I come to this place in reverence and understanding the importance of this position right here. Um, you know, I, I never take it lightly. So as much as I joke, we, we said today we need to laugh, and I'm going to tell another story that will make us laugh in a minute um, because we need to laugh, but I also take it seriously. So, I, you know, I just felt like I needed to throw that out there. Uh, last week we looked back, you know, we, we looked at where the church came from, how it started, where it became and where we are now. Um, and I think looking back is great. So as I talk today, I don't want to appear like I'm seeing that as a negative. I was a history major in college. I'm, I'm all about knowing what happened and where we came from, if nothing else, so that we don't repeat the same mistakes, Right. So I, I don't want that to be. But as much as we look back, we need to look forward too. Now, looking back, I was reminded of a story when John Westfall got up here and sang last week of when I really got to know him. And this was, I want to say it was 2003. It was a Mexico trip. We used to take the youth uh, every year, but one, or not one year, I went one year, but for a few years, Allie would take what they called the music business trip. And they would take some people from the music business uh, along with some youth, and I don't know how I went because I was neither at the time, but I got to go anyways. And um, we were we had to do some manual labor, put up some soffit on the building. Um, but one of the things we had to do was was dig a hole for an outhouse. And if you ever been to Mexico, you know, digging a hole ain't just taking a shovel and you know digging. I mean, there's rocks. I mean, it's hard, hard work. Well, John Westfall's really David Fraser. But John was a part of this, and I jumped in on it. Don was working hard one day. He was picking that axe, and he was digging, and I mean, he was working hard. Uh, you don't want me to keep talking. Where I'm headed, you ain't going to like. <laughs> I love you, Don. And so he, it, was, it was March, so it wasn't summertime heat. I mean, that... I went one year where in Mexico, they went like 40-something straight days with three digits. I mean, it was serious. But this time, it wasn't that bad. It was still hot, and you're working hard. And so finally, we're like, Don, just take a seat, man. Go sit down. And we had Mallory Glico, who at the time was probably 13, 14, about that tall. Um, I hope she's not watching this. I'm going to say that. She starts digging. And so David says, let's take a picture of this. This is going to be a good picture. So we take a picture. And in the background is Don sitting and David got an idea. And so David, John, and I spent the rest of the trip making sure that every picture we got of somebody working had Don in the background sitting. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so the best part, now mind you, these are pictures we're taking not with cell phones that you can look at immediately. These are disposable cameras or whatever else, right? So we have no idea, not even the, the good digital camera where you can see it on a little screen. I mean, these are straight up just taking pictures. Click. And have no idea how it turns out, right? Well, 
David gets it. I think it was David. I don't remember who it was. It may have been me for all that, for all I know. Um, and David goes, oh, look at the, oh, we got the pictures. Let's look at them. And so Don's standing. He says, look, here's Mallory. Oh, look, there's Don sitting back there. Look, John's, look at John, you know, cutting the wood and all that. What's behind him? Oh, there's Don sitting. By the third one, Don's face was worth every bit of it. He just kind of looked like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> we probably got a dozen pictures. and every, we, we even set them up sometimes. We're like, hey, Don, just sit down for a minute. All right, good. Now he's there. Click, you know. <laughs> so, management. Yeah, he was management. You make a good manager. So, yes. Yeah, so, you know, and now I will say this. And I'm not just saying this because he wants me to say it all, but he was working hard then. He really was. Um, we just saw an opportunity and we took it. So, but yes, so looking back, you know, I, especially stories like that, it's always fun looking back. Um, I named this the Church of the Future because it sounds like a snazzy good title. It could be the church of going forward, the church from now on, or really the church we should always be and should always be striving for. Um, I just like the... The idea, because we're, I mean, we've, Roger alluded to it, and I was afraid you were going to start preaching my message, so I'm glad you held off. You were, you were right, in, you were, you were priming it. Um, I feel like this is a turning point. A lot of it had to do with the COVID timing. Church went, church changed then. Um, I mean, I was, I was part of the small group who was in this room with, like, I can say this now, there was really just us who, you know, I worked the camera, of course, your pastor was here, the worship team, and Sue Douglas. Uh, Sue always came because she didn't have a way to watch it. And so we just told her, like, just come on. So she would sit. We always told her, just make sure you're not in the camera because we don't, you know, because <laughs> all of a sudden people start showing up. And so, but yeah, Sue was here every, just about every, I think she missed the first one. That was it. She was here for everyone after that. Um, but that was it. And so that was, it was weird. It was a weird time. Um, it pushed us. We were already talking about doing the cameras and, and broadcasting the, the service that we were already in discussions. Obviously that turned it into warp speed, getting it done. Um, so, and I, I'll say this, I was a part of the team that put that together. So I'm not against it. It may sound like I am. I'm not, I've stayed home, watched it on TV. I'm so grateful that I have that opportunity. So I'm not against it, but I, I will sound like I am. Hopefully I don't. Um, but with that, especially with much social media and everything has given us the idea that most of the things we do, we can do just as well away from like church is the same at home on TV as it is in person. It's not. Okay. And you know, there's nothing beats the eyeball to eyeball in my opinion. And I'm a guy that sets up networks and things so you could don't have to be there. Right. That's kind of weird. Uh, and set it, like I said, set this up. So I also have to put a disclaimer out there before I begin that for those who don't know, and there's probably not many, but just in case, my wife, my background is a very mission-minded focus. Uh, we were full-time missionaries for a few, for a couple of years, uh, out of Georgia. We led trips with youth people, uh, youth kids. I taught classes to youth pastors on how to run trips, how to hear the voice of the Lord, um, and I'll, I'll mention that a little bit more as we go. But everything I'm going to talk about will have that mindset in place. Just it's who I am, and I can't fight it. I won't even try. Um. We were mission pastors here until we started having a bunch of kids and realized that at the moment our mission became them. And our mission will change again in another day. Um, and we will start, we have already started talking about wanting to do certain things. Um, and we'll get there. 
But, you know, as, as we all know, things change throughout your life, and your focus changes at different times. But we still have that mentality. I still have that heart. Uh, it was mentioned last week, and I'm going to refer to last week because I, I feel like the Lord was giving this message last week as we were listening. So this is kind of a piggyback part. I'm, I don't know if I'd call it part two or just the next step, whatever. Uh, some great snazzy thing somebody in marketing here can come up with. Um, but it was mentioned that we used to have a sign that says you are now entering the mission field. And the idea was once you step, you know, or, or drive right past that sign, you're in the mission field, right? And I want to talk about what that looks like from a church perspective and, and where we, we want to go. Now, I'll say I'm missions-minded, but one of my favorite quotes is, missions isn't the goal. Worship is. Worship Missions exist because worship doesn't. So everything I'm talking about is with the mindset of worshiping the Lord, right? And we, we, that's, that's the end result. Now we have to do, go through what we call missions because globally we're not worshiping the Lord. There's somebody out there that isn't. And I've always joked, missionaries are the only, is the only profession that tries to put themselves out of business. So, because if they, if they succeeded a hundred percent, they have no job. And I'm sure they'd all be happy with that. Um, but that's, it's just the nature of the beast, right? So I, I've already started talking about it a little bit. I, I mentioned COVID, uh, people being separated. There was a lot of, you see the numbers, the, the, the level of depression, level of issues, psychological issues went up. And I think a large part of that, besides the, just the depressing fact of everything we went through, was no human contact or little human contact. And, they, and they, they, there's, there's groups out there and people out there that try to make you think, well, social media will fix that. If you look at pictures, you talk to people, you even of FaceTime, it's just not. In fact, I think it makes it worse. Um, I'm not. I'm not of the. I'm not. I'm not like the guy that stands here normally say Facebook is of the devil, but I'm not necessarily a big fan of it either because I think it creates a false narrative in some people's lives and, and it just creates some confusion. Um, I still like it. It allows me to keep up with my family who's in Louisiana and things like that. So there's some plus with it, but it doesn't replace what God designed us and, and to be and how to how to be. Um, if you will, turn to Matthew 28. This will be kind of the first scripture. And, of course, most of y'all or a lot of y'all probably could quote it. Um, but it's Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. I'll give you just another second. And then once you're there, if you will stand as we read the scripture. I realize when I preached just about a month ago, I didn't have you stand. So I'm going to make you stand all the rest of the service to make up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It says, Go. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, you can be seated. To me, the main word there is go. I know it's probably supposed to be make disciples, and all, but all of that starts with you going, Right? It starts with taking those steps and moving. Because it didn't say, get people into your house and make disciples. It doesn't say, hey, gather with your group at the church and make disciples. Now, that's part of it. But the first words, go, take off. Don't bring people in necessarily at the beginning. Now, eventually that's the goal or, not, or part of the goal. Again, the goal is worship. But it's go. Go out. Go and be a part of. It didn't say, get on your phone and talk to people on Facebook. It says go. And so we got to have that mindset that if we're going to make disciples, it starts with us going. It starts with us being a part, going into the community, 
being an active part of the community. Um, I mentioned that Aaron and I were full-time missionaries. One of the reasons we came back was because God gave us a heart for home, for missions at home. Uh, something that stuck out to me when we were there, and this was 2004, was there was a South African dance team, and they were called to missions to America. They were here preaching the gospel, and I just, at first I was kind of like, really? And then I looked around and thought, thank you. We need it. So that, that was, as much as we like to go out to the nations, we did have a heart and still do have a heart for home. But again, the key word, go. It's hard to make disciples and it's hard to make changes in your community from your seat. Also, we call ourselves the Army of Christ, which I think it was Brother Charles says the Army of Christ is the only army that shoots its wounded. Um, and that's a whole other message that can be preached. Um, as an army, we need to be equipped, right? You've got to be equipped. Uh, Ephesians 4.11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If there was ever a time, and I mean I say that, but we look back at the letters in the New Testament, we realize a lot of the stuff they're dealing with, we, we deal with today, which is amazing and just shows how awesome God is. That there's a lot of deceitfulness going out there within the church. I'm not even talking about craziness and, you know, People who don't know the Lord. There's people who have preached God's word for years, and now all of a sudden they're preaching unbiblical things. And we must be able to discern that and catch that. How do we be able to do that? By being equipped, by being taught, by putting ourselves in a position to read, to be uh, sh- to share with, uh, to know the truth. It's, when I was a, I used to work as a, a, a bank teller at a credit union. And one of the things that was really amazing to me, and I didn't even catch this until the first time it happened, I'm handling cash all day. Now, this was 99, 2000, back when cash was still a thing. And so I would handle cash, and, and there, were, there were guys that would come, and they would, it was funny, on work days, they would get $200 in cash. They'd want uh, 100 and they'd want like a 20 and then a bunch of ones because they wanted a big old roll. And they put that 100 on the outside, and it looked fat. They did it all the time. But... I would, you know, I'm handling cash all day, constantly, right? And then one day as I'm handling cash, I grabbed a bill, and the second I grabbed that bill, I'm like, that ain't right. It was counterfeit. I knew it the second my finger touched it. The reason I knew it right away is because I've been handling the real thing constantly every day. And it didn't take, I didn't have to look at it. I mean, I knew the second my finger touched it, I was like, that's, that's not real. Looked at it. Then we had to go through the whole process of having a counterfeit bill. But I knew it was counterfeit without even looking. When we know truth, we can spot a lie a mile away. But it takes knowing the truth and being in, in, engrossed in the truth 
to know that it's a lie. If you're not grounded in that truth and you're not grounded in what the scripture is saying, then you're like, well, you know, that sounds good. It makes me feel good. Maybe it is true. But when you know what the truth is, you can say, you know, that sounds good, but it ain't right. Here's why. Here's what the scripture says. We've got to get to that place. And I say that that's an ongoing thing, right? That you, I preached just a few weeks ago about the need of accountability and having people speak into your life. And sometimes that's because we, things do feel sound good. And you got to have somebody in your going, you know what? Hang on a second. Let's talk this through. You know, we need that. That's a part of it. Um, part of it is obviously like I've, I've, I'm talking about knowing scripture, understanding what God's word says. Um, things like this, the, the groups, the men's meeting Friday night, the women's meeting, uh, Saturday morning Bible studies. These are all things, small groups. These are all areas in our church locally here that puts you in a place where you can not only receive teaching, but also teach, right? You know, there's an old message that went through, I think Jim Newsom preached it was, you know, who has your lunch? You know, somebody, you've got something for somebody and you can't give that to them if you're sitting in home on your phone, right? And again, I know that sounds terrible. I keep on that, but you may have something for somebody in one of these settings that we're talking about and they need that. They need that teaching. They need that perspective. Uh, and so that's what we have here. And of course, there's an organic fellowship, right? Of just getting together. Um, a lot of us are friends because of the times we spent at the Sims house 20-something years ago. And that was always organic. just showed up. And um, I, I've gotten some good friendships and, and some good things built through that. So we must make ourselves available to those areas, whatever it may be. And this is part of it, but this isn't all of it. Um, I, I know that <laughs> this is speaking for me, but I can tell you the pastor will, will probably agree. If you're only coming to church on Sunday morning mornings and not fellowshipping and not being a part of it, otherwise, you're malnourished. Now, if you only go to the men's Bible study or the women's Bible study but don't come here, you're also malnourished, right? We need it all. We need all the different aspects of what, what, what God's giving us opportunities to be a part of. Uh, worship. God has called us to worship him together. Uh, now, this isn't to, to talk bad about personal worship. That's just as vital, just as important, right? And vital is that personal one-on-one time worship in the Lord. Uh, it, you know, in your room, in your closet, whatever it may be, that's important. So don't get me wrong. But I think, and I, I think a lot of people, that's easy, right? Because it's by yourself and you can do that. But God called us to corporately worship together. I mean, we've seen it today. We've seen the Spirit move in our worship time today. Um, I, I'll never forget... It was the Passion Conference. I want to say it was 2005 or six. I went in there, and we missed the first day because I didn't think, oh, my God, it's a conference. I don't care about no conference. I was there working. Let me back up to explain why I was there. If I'm at a conference but don't want to go to the conference. I was working for the mission organization. We were. I was there to, to market and to uh, share with who we are because that was my role. as a mission. My role in the, the organization was to, to market who AIM was. That's the name of the organization, Adventures and Missions. And to just explain to them what we do. Now, I love that that particular conference. I did a lot. And some of them were like business conferences. You had the big flashy things. And I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like that was the right place for things like that. Um, what I liked about the Compassion Conference, who was ran by Louis Giglio, who, who I think did it right, is we were supposed to give four people to each, like four of us represented AIM. Two of us worked our booth. And then the other two went and learned about every other ministry that was there. 
And then, so you had basically, you had half, you know, everybody had two people working, two people in this big group of people. And what they would do, there was all college students is what the conference was for. College students would come in, they'd sit down with the, the people who knew every ministry and just says, what is your heart? What is God calling you to do? And they would listen to the student and then they'd say, I know the ministry for you. It's this ministry over here. Let's go. And they'd take them to wherever had the ministry that matched up with what that student kind of had a desire for. And I loved it because it took away the competition. I love competing. I, I grew up playing sports. I love to compete. But there's a time and a place. And trying to find out where God's people need to be is not the time to compete. Uh, and so I love that. I love that mentality. I love the because I would have students come and talk to me and tell me what they want to do. And I think, you know what? I tell them, we're not the, we're not the people for you, but I know who he is. Let's go to this group over here because they have what you're, you're passionate about. And I had no problem doing that because it wasn't about us. It was about the students and where God's calling them to be. But, but I don't even know why I went there. I just thought it was cool. But, so we're there doing all this. The first night we, we didn't go. The people that were with us were like, man, it was awesome. You should go. You go. So the next night we said, okay, we'll go. It was at Bridgestone Arena and ended up being probably about 19,000, which I know is more than the capacity, but they had people on the floor seats, right? Maybe up to 20. I don't remember. And when you had 20,000 sold out for Jesus college students singing at once, it moves you. That many people praising the Lord passionately. It, you recognize, man, this is probably what, this is, I've always felt like that's the closest to heaven that I'll see of just corporate worship, praising the Lord, not holding anything back. Part of that was because it was so loud, nobody could hear you, so you didn't care if they heard you, right? You know, somebody like me, you, you know, you notice all the people sing last week. I wasn't one of them. Still waiting for that invitation. <laughs> we and I were joking back there. We says the only time we'll get asked to sing is they're trying to clear out the room. <laughs> so people like me could sing loud. It didn't matter, right? And so you could really give your heart to the Lord. And so, again, private worship is incredible and needed, but never forsake that time together. That corporate worship, it is so, it's where God, I really think, can really move. And, you know, I, I, some of the best prophetic words I've received and given are through corporate worship in that time where you just allow yourself to be uh, moved and taught by the Lord and those around you. Um, another thing about the church, we should be finding areas to show God's love. That's big and small. And here's what I mean by that. There's the care ministry that I know we have different people part of and they could always they would always take help um we are a great church i mean if there's one thing we're known for many things in my opinion but one great thing is when there's need for food man we show up and i know that from personal experience because when we've had kids we've had so much food we're like all right y'all gotta stop y'all you know we're overloaded with food which is a great thing um we take care of our people i really do believe that um but those are part of that. Those part of, the other thing to, I think is important is we, we got to have our ear to the ground. We got to be looking for opportunity to fill needs. And that's going out into the community, going back almost circle, full circle to the beginning of go, right? Um, part of that teaching I mentioned earlier, I used to teach, uh, youth pastors. One of the things that I taught was, well, the main thing was hearing the voice of the Lord. And, and how to recognize that. One of the things we did was a prayer walk. For those who have never heard of that, 
to define a prayer walk is to pray while walking. Very simple. Sometimes things are just that simple, right? That's all it is. It's a prayer walk, but it's a walk with a mentality and focus to pray for where you're headed and where you're going. And one of the things I would do, partly for my own amusement and partly to make a point, was the group that I would be teaching, I'd have them pray for the city before we'd step out. Most of them weren't from that city. In this particular instance, one of my favorite moments was in Philadelphia. Nobody there was from Philadelphia, so they didn't know things about Philly other than what we all know, cheesesteaks and the Eagles, right? So, we're and we're in the heart, Kensington Avenue, we're in the heart of Philly, where it's the roughest area I've ever been. And I've been to Kenya and other places around the world. And this is probably in the roughest area. Um, we, I had a group of people, there's probably about 30 of us, and I had them pray for the city. I'm like, hey, before we go, let's just pray for the city of Philadelphia. And I always call it the popcorn prayer. You just, as you feel you want to pray, just pop, you know, just pray. Don't, don't need to be pointed at and told what order. Just pray as, as the Lord leads, as the Spirit leads you. And people prayed, and it was good prayers. And I don't want to bring negative. It's, you know, it's never bad to pray for a city, but it was generic to be nice. You know, pray for the city, pray for the people, look, you know, let the Lord. And it was good things. Then we did a prayer walk. We walked outside. We split up in small little groups, two or three, and we walked and prayed. Came back. We talked a little bit, and then I'm like, all right, now let's pray for the city. And the prayers went from that to pray for Jennifer, whose store has been robbed three times, and that she's looking to, you know, get help with people to help do things and pray for John who's been trying to get off of heroin and that he's really struggling and that he wants it. You know, pray for Chris. Chris has been, you know, all of a sudden these prayers were extremely specific. These prayers were very, I mean, this, and this is what I mean when the ears, their, their, their ears were there. They heard the, the cries of God's people and they were able to express to the Lord the, the, what these people needed with a passion because they felt it. It wasn't just, you know, that guy over there, he looks, you know, He's really struggling. He heard him. He felt the pain, and he was able to pray. They were able to, to present options to the, to the different people. We had a ministry there that was help that we were, were partnering with that would help with certain things that they were dealing with. So we would give them opportunity and talk with them. Um, but it was just the dynamic that was to me stuck out was how different their prayers and the mindset were for the city before and after walking in the city. They understood the needs of the city to a much better degree than they ever did before they stepped foot in there. Um, you can learn a lot. But we have to be out there. And if nothing else, being out there just to give words of encouragement. If there's ever been a time where we need to encourage retail workers and servers and people. You know, I I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a restaurant. I'm a former waiter, so I kind of know, have an idea of what, it's like, what it takes to be a good waiter. But even when people aren't that, that great, when I recognize they're working hard, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tip them well, even if it's not the best, because they're working for one. I, I respect anybody that's willing to go out and work, especially in this climate and the way people are treated. Um, but I want to encourage them. I want to let them know. If, if something, something like that, you have no idea how much, how far that can go. Um, and I always even try to tell them by their name. You know, I see the name tag or they tell me when they're, you know, uh, you know how I'm, you know, Bob, <laughs> Wyatt had his whole team call some random kid named Bob on the team. That's why I just kind of chuckled. There was some kid named, I said, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. We call him Bob. I said, what does he say when you call him Bob? Hey, that's my name. That's not my name. 
I don't know. I'm sorry. That just was a tangent. Anyways, I apologize. <laughs> Why? But I try to call them by their name because I, I, it's personal. It's connecting, right? If you just say, hey, thank you, then that's nice. But, you know, hey, John, thank you. Oh, wow. You know, as soon as you hear your name, it's, it changes things. Um, so even if it's just that, start with that. Then allow the Lord to give you an opportunity, see an opportunity. Um, so I just talked about going out, reaching out to the community, being equipped with truth, corporate worship, and looking for areas to share God's love. Some of y'all may have picked up on what I just did. But that's our vision statement as a church. Reaching out to the lost and unchurched for our community. Can't do it if we don't go. Have to go. Have to get out there. Equipping the discipling God's people to do the work of the ministry. Can't do that if we aren't putting ourselves in a place to be taught and equipped. And I want to add to where we can also help teach. Because all of you have something in you that we need. Every one of you. I don't care who you are. I don't care your background. I don't care how long you've been a believer or how short you've been a believer. You have something in you that God's given you that we need. Anointed praise and worship that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ and set the captives free. My opinion, this is best done when in corporate worship. Again, private's great. Don't give me, I'm, I think I've beat that horse to death. Practical demonstrations to one another of God's love towards us. We must be actively in the community to know what the needs are so that we can help fill them. The church of the future has, has already been, the vision of that church has already been put together by our leadership, by our elders, by our pastor, right? Now we just got to walk it out. And hopefully we've heard some ways to do that in a practical manner because that was my hope. My, my hope and desire was to put it, all this into a practical manner of how we're going to do this on a daily basis. Because we talk about being equipped, and we, we've heard this analogy before, but I feel like it's relevant here. This is the huddle, right? In a football game, they huddle. All the teammates get together. The quarterback says, all right, here's the plan. This is the play. And then they go out and they break. And recognize everyone does, almost everyone does something different. The linemen have their own scheme. Like when they hear the play, like, okay, the linemen have to do certain things. The receiver's got to do a certain thing, whether it's going out for a pass or the right block. The running back has certain things. And of course, the quarterback's got to kind of make sure things are going in line. But they're all doing something different, but they're all doing something with the same goal in mind. And so this is our huddle. Let us huddle. Let us get the right game plan together. Let's encourage each other. Let's, you know, be ready. And then, as we enter the mission field, the huddle breaks and we go out and we run the play. And then we come back to the huddle and we're like, hey, that was a good play. What did you do? Oh, man, that was a good block you did. That was awesome. That was a good route. Hey, great. All right, now what's the next play? All right, here's what we're going to do. And then we go out and we run the next play. And as a body, as a church, and I feel like we've always done that as an abundant life well, but man, let's, let's, let's see the next, you know, let's come up with some new plays, right? Let's come up with some new ideas. Um, of how we can reach out into the community and make a change um, and impact this community the way God's called us as a body to do. Amen? Please stand. I'll pray us out of here. Lord Jesus, I just, 
I pray that we become or continue to become the, the body that you called us to be. That we can reach the community the way you've called us to reach. To let us impact your people the way you want us to impact them. That we can bring your truth in love to those who need it. And we can preach your goodness and share your faithfulness and who you are to those who need to hear it. That we make an impact in our community. That we continue to make an impact in our community. That we continue to bring your truth here. And that those who don't know you will get to know you through our, our showing your love and showing who you are. And so I just pray that as we go out, as we break this huddle, that we go out and we run some great plays this week. And that next week we come back and we can, can uh, brag on how awesome you've done, how, how many awesome things you've done this week and what awesome things you've done. So I just pray that you just equip us, that you just give us a mindset towards this, open our eyes, open our ears to see opportunity. And I pray that at the end of the week, like I said, we come back and we uh, brag on your goodness. So it's your name we gather and we praise your name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.